Happy Valentine's Day and good morning, Grace Vineyard, and all of those who are watching this on our YouTube channel or listening to the podcast. Today, I'm returning to the series we are doing on the book of Acts. It has been nearly a month since we last heard a message from the series. That was when Andy spoke on I Give Up, looking at Paul's total surrender to the will of God, despite the prophetic words given about what would happen to him at the hands of those Jewish leaders if he continued his journey to Jerusalem. This was found in Acts chapters 20 and 21. Since then, we have had Jill speak about the kingdom of God. Mike Pilavachi asked the question, What kind of church do you want to be? And we also heard feedback from the Vineyard National Gathering by the Grace Vineyard leadership team. Like Andy, I'm going to look at more than just one chapter today. I'll briefly comment on the end of chapter 1. Andy looked at the first 14 verses of chapter 1. And then focus on some points in chapters 22 and 23. Paul does get to Jerusalem where he meets up with the elders of the church and gives them a detailed account of all that God has done amongst the Gentiles through his ministry. Paul then goes on to the temple with some men for purification ceremony. A week later, he is back in the temple to complete the purification ceremony when some of the Jews roused a mob against Paul with false accusations that turned into a riot that rocked the whole city to such an extent that the Roman regiment had to come out and arrest Paul to prevent the mob that was beating him from killing him. The Roman commander thinks Paul is an Egyptian rebel and is surprised when Paul addresses him in Greek and asks to speak to the crowd that was trying to kill him. Let's read Acts chapter 21 verses 40 through to Acts 22 verse 2. And when he had given him permission, Paul, standing on the steps, motioned with his hands to the people. And when there was a great hush, He addressed them in the Hebrew language, saying, Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. Paul speaks to them in Aramaic, the language of the Jews at that time and gives them an account of his life as a zealous Jew who studied under Gamaliel, the top rabbi of the day, how he witnessed the killing of Stephen, how he persecuted the followers of the way, as the Christians were then known, how he had encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, and of, of his conversion experience, his return to Jerusalem, And then the command of God to go and tell the good news of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. The mob had listened intently up to this point. But the mention of being sent to the Gentiles 
set them off once again, shouting abuse at Paul. We're going to pick up the story in Scripture from this point. Acts 22, verses 24 to 29. The tribune ordered him to be brought into the barracks, saying that he should be examined by flogging to find out why they were shouting against him like this. But when they had stretched him out for the whips, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, Is it lawful for you to flog a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned? When the centurion heard this, he went to the tribune and said to him, What are you about to do? For this man is a Roman citizen. So the tribune came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? And he said, Yes. The tribune answered, I bought the citizen citizenship for a large sum. Paul said, But I am a citizen by birth. So those who were about to examine him withdrew, withdrew from him immediately. And the tribune also was afraid, for he realized that Paul was a Roman citizen and that he had bound him. The tribune, the Roman commander, would not have understood Paul and the crowd when they were speaking in Aramaic. So he didn't understand what the crowd was upset about and wanted to find out. The easiest way for him at that time was to beat it out of Paul, whip him until he confessed his wrongdoing. The Romans had the power to do that to the citizens of the countries they had conquered. Another example of the power the Romans had uh, had resulted in a phrase I'm sure you have heard before. Go the extra mile. It came about because of a Roman law. The phrase is, is an adaptation of a commandment of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Matthew 5, 41. Under the Roman impressment law, a Roman soldier passing by a Jew could order him to carry his pack for one mile. Jesus asked his followers to go two miles instead of one. So go the extra mile. The power of the Romans at this time was incredible. And that power also extended to the rights of the Roman citizens. Being a Roman citizen gave you certain rights and protection that were not given to non-Roman citizens. One of them was that a Roman citizen could not be tortured or whipped without first having a trial. So when Paul mentioned that he was a Roman citizen, having been tied down to be whipped without a trial, it set alarm bells off in the mind of the centurion who reported this situation to the tribune. The interaction between Paul and the tribune is interesting. Paul was born a Roman citizen, but the tribune had to pay a big price for his citizenship, either in the form of money or more likely in serving a long time in the Roman army and enduring many wars, battles, and time away from his home and family. This put them on equal footing before the law. 
And the tribune had to now treat Paul in a different way. Unlike Roman citizenship, you cannot buy, serve or earn your way to becoming a citizen of the kingdom of God. No amount of money, no amount of good works or long service will qualify you to become a citizen of heaven. You have to be born into the kingdom of God. Actually, you have to be born again to become a citizen of the kingdom of God. In John chapter 3, we find Jesus talking with Nicodemus, a Pharisee, and one of the religious Jewish leaders who came to see Jesus one night. John chapter 3 verses 3 to 7 says, In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Have you been born again? Are you a citizen of the kingdom of God? If you are not sure, there will be a time after this message to make sure you are born again and a citizen of the kingdom of God. If you are watching this on our YouTube channel, there is information at the end of this message of how to get in touch with us so that we can help you with this decision. If you are listening to our podcast, then please get onto our website and get in touch with us through the contact form so we can help you with this decision. We're now at the end of chapter 22 and moving into chapter 23. Paul is released by the tribune and comes before the gathering of the Jewish high council and leading priests that the tribune has ordered to gather. Paul, who was raised a Pharisee, recognizes that there are both Pharisees and Sadducees on the council he is standing before. And he uses wisdom to divide them and prevent them from coming to a decision to condemn him in any way and prevent him from accomplishing what God had planned for him. The council meeting ended up in a riot and the tribune had to extricate Paul from the midst of the meeting before he was harmed. Acts 23 verse 11 says, The following night the Lord stood by him, that is Paul, and said, Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. Paul was on a mission for God, and the devil did not want it to succeed and tried everything to prevent it. His next tactic was quite pathetic. Acts chapter 23 verses 12 to 14 reads, 
The next morning, the Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves with an oath not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. More than 40 men were involved in this plot. They went to the chief priests and elders and said, We have taken a solemn oath not to eat anything until we have killed Paul. They hatch a plot to ask the tribune to bring Paul to another council meeting. But on the way, the men would kill him. Now God's plan for Paul and the spreading of the gospel were not going to be thwarted by some jealous Jews. Paul's nephew hears about the plot and tells Paul, who arranges for him to be taken to the tribune, to tell him of the plot. Acts 23 verses 23 and 24. Then he called two of the centurions and said, Get ready 200 soldiers with 70 horsemen and 200 spearmen to go as far as Caesarea at the third hour of the night. Also provide mounts for Paul to ride and bring him safely to Felix the governor. He writes a letter to the governor explaining the situation and sends it with the centurions and Paul. Acts 23 verses 33 to 35 says, When they had come to Caesarea and delivered the letter to the governor, they presented Paul also before him. On reading the letter, he asked what province he was from. And when he learnt that he is from Cilicia, he said, I will give you a hearing when your accusers arrive. And he commanded him to be guarded in Herod's praetorium. I've always wondered what happened to those 40 men. Did they starve to death because they failed in their mission? Or did they break their oath and eat again? The tribune is obliged to keep Paul safe from harm because he is a Roman citizen. God is keeping Paul alive because he has a mission for Paul to accomplish. And all those people who have worldly power are being used by God, who has all power and authority to accomplish his plans to get Paul to Rome. What mission has God got you on? Do you know or are you still trying to figure it out? Each and every one of us who is a born again son or daughter of God has a purpose and a mission that God has called us to. The general mission is the Great Commission found in Matthew 28 verses 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, that's his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Within the great co-mission, we have all been called to specific missions with God. 
Some are long-term missions, some are short-term missions. Some are missions in other nations, most are missions within our home nation. I believe all of us have been called to be missionaries in the neighborhood we live in and the place where we work. Those are the places we spend the most time and yet for many it is the place we find the hardest to do mission in. If that is your situation, ask the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you to be the best missionary that you can be in these places. It will mean constant communication between you and the Holy Spirit to hear from Him and to be led by Him. If you have had the privilege and joy of doing mission in another country, I know you will agree with me that it always feels easier to do mission away from home than it is to do it at home. If that has been your experience too, can I postulate that the reason for this is that we are always better prepared when we travel to do mission because there's a cost involved and we want to make sure we make the most of our time on that mission. More time is spent in prayer and preparation beforehand, especially if you're going as part of a team than, than when we are at home. The busyness of everyday life at home does compete with our time with the Holy Spirit to, pr to prepare our hearts and minds for everyday mission at home. How can we change this? What can we do to make more time with God to better prepare ourselves for everyday mission? Do you ask God to make you more like Paul, totally focused on the mission at hand? If you do that, are you prepared, like Paul, to spend time in prison, be attacked and beaten? left for dead? These are questions for us to discuss in the breakout rooms after I have prayed. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you have commissioned each and every one of us. You've called us, you know us, you love us, and you have a purpose and a plan for each and every one of us. I thank you, Father, that you have given us the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us. And I ask that you will do that every day. Help me, help us to be more in touch with the Holy Spirit throughout the day. Help us to be more aware of your presence and to help to have you lead us and guide us every step of the way. Father, help us when we are at home, in our neighborhood, seeing our neighbors, or at work with our colleagues and our friends. Help us to be the best missionary in those situations that we can be. That we can love them with the love that you have for them. Place your love in our heart for them, Father. Break our hearts for what break your, breaks yours. Keep us on this mission to reach those who are lost and do not know you. Thank you, Lord, that we can co-mission with you. 
Thank you that you empower us, you lead us, you guide us. Amen.